Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go with another episode of Believe in Horse Racing with Ken Rudolph. I get to be Ken Rudolph again today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh, being a subscriber to our conversation and continue to rate and review for us if in you don't mind. This show is brought to you by the good folks at the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. We're coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. We often talk about what's happening in the world right now in race, diversity, equity, and equality, uh, top of mind for a lot of people. And we talk about that quite often here on this show. And we will continue to do so because there's no way that things are going to change if we don't continue to apply pressure. Today, we'll take a bit of a detour, but still stay in that vein. Um, one of the first things that I was able to do in my career was covering sports in my hometown of Sacramento. And that's where my Sacramento Kings are. And I'm all about my basketball team. Well, some of my best friends are also all about that basketball team. And two of the guys that I was able to create a really, a really powerful and impactful radio show in Sacramento uh, about five years ago. They're both in Sacramento and they're doing great work. One of them is a man named Jason Ross who has been doing Sacramento Kings basketball and Sacramento radio for 30 years now. Jason is an, is an incredible person. And then the other friend is a guy named Damian Barling. Damian came to us from ESPN on the other side of the country and immediately brought credibility and, and professionalism and respect to the position as the radio host. So together, all three of us created a show called The Lowdown. And right when we came on the air, Colin Kaepernick decided to, to wage his protest. And so we kind of jumped all in on that and talked about that, and the viewers responded. We were the most successful show in the history of that radio station. Now, the people that work at that radio station are, well, they weren't quite open to things we were talking about. So the show didn't last long because the powers that be don't want you to shake things up. So this week, I wanted to get back together with my two brothers and just talk about how things have progressed since we did that show five years ago and how they're moving the needle forward in Sacramento and how I'm trying to do the same thing here in horse racing. And I also try to get them into horse racing. Jason already loves to bet. Damien does not, and Damien loves animals. So there's a whole conversation there. So that's where we are right now. So let's get into this week's episode with Jason Ross and Damian Barling. Uh, I don't know what we're doing here, but we're just going to have some fun. This is uh, Believe in Horse Racing, and we're going to be talking with my friends, one of which who does not believe in horse racing, and the other one who will bet on probably anything. It doesn't really matter, though. We'll get to that later. Well, I want to welcome in my friends. I had my only one radio show in the history of my career thus far. It was in Sacramento. And with these two guys, I had the best time I have ever had in my life. And we developed a brotherhood. And uh, they're still in Sacramento, but they're making big changes. I want to welcome in Damian Barling, who is the host of two podcasts, uh, Be Conscious and The Podcast. And I think he probably has two more that he probably just started just today. And we'll talk about those in a second. And then Jason Ross, who is the programming director for uh, 1140 Sports Talk AM in Sacramento, the Kings, Sacramento Kings flagship station. I want to welcome them both in. We'll get into their important stuff about their resumes coming up here in a second. Guys, are you there? We're, We're here, here, baby. Yeah. I'm on Damien's podcast actually right now. 
That's true. We're, <laughs> we're actually recording two or three podcasts at the same time. Yes. What's happening. Yeah, he's the only person that could simulcast a podcast <laughs> while he's doing a podcast for another podcast. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> yes. That's accurate. Indeed. Good to hear from you guys. Uh, there's so much we could be talking about. Uh, the reason why I wanted to get everybody together is they're going to play basketball soon. Mm -hmm. The whole reason why they brought us together was because the Sacramento Kings uh, basketball team is everything in Sacramento. And when it came to that radio station, um, they they put us together based upon arguments. J uh, Damon and, and I got together and we started arguing within 30 seconds um, about the late, great Kobe Bryant. And that's pretty much how we ended up being on the show. But now things are incredibly different. And Jason... You have the opportunity of a lifetime, which you have definitely earned, man. You're going to do the primary duties, play-by-play uh, -play for the Sacramento Kings on the radio. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Really looking forward to that. That's gonna be, it's going to be a lot of fun, yes. So what goes into that for you from your normal schedule? Because you're already doing stuff for the games anyway for the past three decades. Well, it's radio, so nobody knows. So I make it up. I mean, I just, you know, the Kings win every time. Uh, they win by 40. Um, they hold every lead. Every play is beautiful. It's a dunk, uh, three. They play the best defense. Um, no, it's it's going to be unique because we're going to be calling the games outside of the bubble in Sacramento at the arena. We're looking at two giant screens on the concourse. So it's different. It's unique. Um, but I commend the NBA for even getting this, Ken. I, I don't even really know how they were able to execute this all. And so far, so good. The bubble is is still existing and hopefully the Kings will have a, a long run once uh, they start on Friday. Hold on to that, Jason. I'm going to come right back because Damien, uh, the season starting also changes the schedule for you because you've been on board. You were signed on to do a podcast for Kings fans mm -hmm. and then everything stopped with the season. So now how does, how does everything kind of jump back into the swing of things for you? Well, that's kind of the cool thing with podcasts is you really work at your own schedule. You know, you're basically self-employed when you're a podcast host. And um, the, obviously, there's a lot more to talk about when the season is going on. But sports never really go away. And I think, you know, Jason and I have both learned that. I think we've all learned that, you know, over the course of the last four and a half months, you still have podcasts to put out. You still have content to put out. Uh, you still have radio shows to do. And there's always something there, whether it's related to the NBA or it's related to football, whether it's related to the pandemic, whether it's related to, you know, social issues, there's always some tie-in to, uh, to sports and to athletes. So uh, the only thing that's really changed now is something I didn't think would be happening for a while is you're actually talking about basketball. Like you're, you're talking about what the Kings can do to win in the potential playoffs. You're talking about what they could do to, uh, you know, improve their seed in these seeding games. You're, you're, you're not talking about hypotheticals anymore. You're talking about stuff that you've seen and stuff that's happening on the court. So that's, that's really the only difference. Who's even on that team now? Like, uh, we got Michael Smith and uh, Lionel Simmons and um... – <laughs> Yeah. Who else they got on there? Yeah, Bobby Larry Drew. Hurley. Who yeah, they got Bobby, playing the point? Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Hurley's bringing Bobby the ball Hurley up, right? Came back, yeah. yeah. Jason Ty said he's on that team just, too, right? The, That's who they have, right? Just get the ball to Richmond and get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> Walt the Williams. The rock. Yeah, Walt Williams. He's <laughs> Walt Williams is still wearing high socks. They're just dress socks now. He's got them pulled up to us. <laughs> is he on the court with Gators on? Yeah, and he, dress socks? He, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Like that's the thing that I know the season starts in uh, what about five days? Not even that, right? Starts Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday for some Friday for the Kings. Friday for the Kings, and you'll be calling everything in from a remote location. I don't even know how to assess what's happening. I mean, 
the thing that we all did every day was we talked basketball and, and it's really fun to talk about a franchise like the Sacramento Kings um, well there's no history of necessarily winning but there is history of stuff <laughs> so <laughs> it's always fun to talk about them because there's always you know great moments and heartbreak and like any franchise that's been around for for multiple decades but now man I don't even know how to to begin even assessing this team well you know what we could have done Ken because what? when you look at what the last three months have been you know the Kings have been you when you look at what this restart is and you look at what the WNBA is doing where our show you know as it was originally constructive would have would have shined is when the Sacramento Kings became the first major major organization to form a partnership with Black Lives Matter and they've been kind of at the forefront of of you know the social initiatives with teams when the Boston Celtics came here after the Stephon Clark shooting you know the Kings got the Boston Celtics involved you know those are the things that we would have been talking about for the last few months as far as basketball nobody can assess it because nobody has any idea what we're about to see we know what we saw before the break but Jason you just got done watching the Milwaukee Bucks now that the Bucks are healthy I fo 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 I don't know that man they look good the other day and I, I know you know it's difficult to adjust these scrimmage games but you know right before the pandemic hit it was like oh bucks boy they were gonna walk to 70 wins now it looks like it's not gonna happen and now it's look like oh man they might not ever ever lose again yeah they they reminded a lot of people to me at least Damien you're right on the, the I know it's a scrimmage you're right but Saturday against the Kings if there's such a thing Ken is the Kings playing well and they were and they were down 20 I mean, the Kings were playing pretty well, and the Bucks just carved them up. So when they're on, they certainly look to me like the best team, and that's even with the Kings playing well. They, I mean, the, the Bucks just totally dominated them. How do you go in, Jason, with – is there any sense of optimism? Because a lot has changed, not only with that city, uh, but especially obviously with the, the organization and in terms of the relationship with the radio station is yeah. can, can you go in with uh, with the recent events in mind and still have that optimism about the season and, and broadcasting these games yeah i think i think so i mean for me that's pretty easy because honestly when you get ready for a game and i'm sure the athletes the players the kings will say it that they expect or hope to win every game so i sure hope they've got that optimism i do for them but then you kind of redirect it if, if they start out with what I think their first game or two is, is relatively friendly schedule-wise. But if they mm-hmm. drop one or drop both, well, then they're in a spot where they're almost out with, eight, with six games to go after that. So um, I think it's really important on how they start. But I think most everybody, if you look at the experts, they're all picking New Orleans. They're all picking Portland. Nobody's picking the Kings. So they need to utilize that as fuel. But I understand why nobody picks them. They haven't shown any of that ability to be successful for the better part of a decade and a half. But they're not even listed. A lot of things that I'm seeing, like, that's not even right. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they want people, people, for, first of all, for, for those who don't know Jason and I very well, I think it's adorable that you ask Jason if he's optimistic. Like that's so. I know he's like Winnie the so Pooh about everything. He's so that you that you asked him. I am like Winnie the Pooh. I'm not wearing pants. Stop no. that. Um, it, which is a nice role reversal because it was usually Ken that wasn't wearing pants in the studio. So. But he had the slippers on. Always had the always had the slippers. I'm in the middle of changing. And a hard boiled yes. egg. Yeah. Oh man. 
okay, Mr. Tuna Sandwich. Right? Why don't you, why don't you calm down? <laughs> well, I don't know what it is that you have in that blender, that bullet that you brought in, Damien. I have no idea what's oh. in there. It's chia seeds and something. Oh, yeah. Chia seeds in a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the Kings not being listed, you know, they've got, media's got their favorites. Like, they're yeah. salivating at the thought of the Lakers and the Pelicans. Like, you got all of the stories there. You got the Anthony Davis story. You got the Zion Williamson LeBron story. Like, they're, they're foaming at the mouth at the thought of that. And if you can't have that, it's like, oh, that's okay. Give us Dame Lillard. We know Dame Lillard is going to fight. We know CJ McCollum is going to fight. We know Terry Stouts is a great coach. Past that, uh, Memphis will make an argument because they're young and they're gritty. And, you know, Kings, I, they will just pretend like they don't exist and we'll manifest it into reality. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the national I think that's their thinking. I think that's why they do that. And it, and then at a certain point, I think some of the websites are just trolling Kings fans. Like for the ringer to leave the Kings out of virtually every article yeah. they read had to that had to be calculated. Well, it's not hard to do, right? To troll Kings fans. I don't know if there's any no. group of basketball fans more sensitive and and rightly so. Uh, rightly so. But losing will do that to you. Oh, yes. It's not just the I'm serious. Losing, like, though, this, is it? I mean, this team has been losing for, I mean, between, I mean, Jason would know better, but between missing the playoffs for the last 14 years, between, you know, the multiple threats of leaving the city, between, uh, you know, players coming and going and the 2000, you know, to, through 2000, you know, four or five or six team or whatever being blown up and dispersed, like there's... Great. It's it's easy to get in your feelings about everything. You know, Bagley gets a couple of injuries, and now he's Purvis Ellison, or he's Sam Bowie, or he's some. Wow. Now Jason's in the corner in a fetal position. Damien, are you just going to beat him well, up? Uh, well, I mean, all of that is real. I don't think <laughs> no. the Marvin Bagley thing is real. <laughs> I mean, I think Marvin Bagley is going to be just fine, but all of that stuff is real. I mean, it's Jason true. has just blocked it out of his mind. Yeah, I, I just kind of. I pass out. I just go. I just go dark. No, no but it's true what Damien's saying. Like, uh, can for example, De'Aaron Fox got hurt the other day, rolled his ankle, and oh, they're cursed. Here we go again. And it's like, okay, he was out for like four, five days, and he's back, and he's fine. But anything can happen to them, and it's doom and gloom. Oh, of yeah. course, we're the team that has the most COVID cases. Oh, of course, it's the Kings. And then now, the the funny one that I like right now is. This will be the year the Kings will find something magical. They'll be hot in these eight games. They'll do some playoff damage. Let, let's just pretend they get to round two somehow. Oh, but they, of course they're playing in the bubble and home fans couldn't see it. It's like, well, guys, would you enjoy that at least? So it's it's funny. It's been torture for this organization and for the fans. and um, They're kind of in that doom and gloom phase for, for a long time. You know, we started our whole thing together, guys, uh, when they actually put us on the radio together years ago. Uh, it was in April. By the time we all got together, King season's over yeah. when we all got together. So, you know, but luckily, like Damien said, the sports, especially back then, we had sports, guys. We had stuff to talk about every day. But the one thing we ended up talking about every day was race. Mm -hmm. And uh, I take great pride in the fact that we just jumped all in that. We did not care from any perspective. We just jumped on in. And maybe we were ahead of our time. I don't know. Uh, but for whatever reason, we didn't have the longevity that I think that we uh, we deserved or warranted. But now here we are at a time when a show like ours 
um, was probably really necessary and would have been a great outlet for people. But now there's a demand for that. Jason, you're still at the radio station. What are you guys doing, if anything, to, to answer that? Are you? Is, is there a demand for that? that type of talk now think, on the radio. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. I think I credit you two certainly for for starting those conversations on our show because um, as much now I see more and more people uh, willing to get out in front of that, but you guys were more than willing and, and leading the charge on that. And I think now working with Doug, Doug's very much on that on that plane too. And I think it's good. It's um, I don't think it's universal everywhere, but I think um, it's certainly more prominent and just even certain sports conversations like we were talking Kaepernick and breaking down his speech and uh, what political leaders and everybody was saying years ago. And now it's, you know, how many people are taking a knee? Protests are common. Protests are welcome. Protests are needed. And it's not certainly everybody behind it, but I feel like everything is switched, the momentum, more and more people. And um, one thing, again, saying that I was, I'm happy that you guys helped lead that charge and I tried to do whatever I could. You guys spoke on it much better than I could. But one thing Doug's telling me now is more and more people that look like me need to be talking about it. And I t totally agree. So you guys were certainly amongst the forefront of it. And I'm glad that more and more people are behind this, but still not enough, to be honest with you. Okay, I wonder about you, Damien, because when everything started to really become, um, I guess, hot, you know, in the forefront of everyone's mind, you had already been there. You'd already been there doing the, your podcast and, and speaking out. And then all of a sudden, I feel like everyone kind of turned to you one day in Sacramento, like, hey, <laughs> uh, you've been here talking about this the whole time. What do we do now? You're right. Like, people did seek me out in, in the weeks following George Floyd's death. And I remember in particular a show I did, like I remember the sequence of, of days. Monday, I did a show where I, I basically sobbed through the whole thing. Like I played Sam Cooke, mm. I played Marvin Gaye. I did stuff that would have gotten me, like if it had been detected, it would have gotten me you know, suspended or something from iTunes or whatever, or Apple Podcasts. But it was just how I was feeling in the moment and it's what I wanted to do. And that was the day Grant Napier was suspended. And then right. the next day he was he was fired. So because I was kind of the Grant Napier antagonist, another group of people sought me out and they got turned on to the podcast that for, the, for the first time. So there was just a sequence of events from George Floyd's murder to, you know, the emergence of Black Lives Matter in terms of like mainstream acceptance. Uh, over to which a very you know local story in terms of Grant Napier that kind of saw you know my podcast hit a hit a different level during that time. And uh, everything it's also happened of course with the industry that I'm in horse racing and I took the opportunity to <clears throat> shine the light on the cockroaches in the kitchen here and get get everything all scurried up people all excited I, on the radio. Did I ever tell you guys the story about the Confederate flag and the horse they named after me? Yes, actually, if I recall, Jason, do you I, like if I recall correctly, you never dug into the story, but I do recall you being very angry about it. Yeah, I, I can't remember the details of it, but yeah, what what, what was the regard? I mean, well, what that, is could, it? that could also fall under the category of the weather or lunch 
or what Jason just that's said. That's true. Uh, so I would be angry about anything. But um, that's true. No, so this anything that I said, <laughs> you would find a way to be angry about. <laughs> no, so uh, you know, me being the only black person doing uh, horse racing on television for the better part of uh, you know more than twelve years, yada yada yada. There was an owner. He had this is the first problem. He had the Confederate flags on the back of the jockey silks. So the fact that the industry would allow that to even be something that, yeah, you can go ahead and do that, that's heritage, is a problem right there. So this is back in like 2006, 7, 8. 2008, I think I said on the air at TVG, hey, that's not cool. Somebody needs to get rid of those silks. That is not cool. Owner of those silks saw me at a party and was like, dude, lay off of me. Leave me alone with those silks. I'm like, get rid of the silks. Fuck you talking about. Um, and so a little bit after that, a owner with one thing in mind, bought a horse, named that horse, Mute Rudolph, as in the mute mm. button on the remote control, mm -hmm. and made sure to spell Rudolph like I spell mine with two U's. It's rather unique. Mm -hmm. It's the only way my family knows that it's us. And, uh, and don't you dare <laughs> spell it wrong. Because no. if you fail, so you look, that's the, that's the thing. If you spell it wrong, I know that you have not taken the proper five to 10 seconds of consideration to spell my name. But if you spell it right, that means you have taken at least that 10 to 15 seconds to think about properly spelling my name. So when you go to the effort of naming a horse after me with the mute button nonsense in front of it, then you make sure that when that horse runs for the first time, it's in Sacramento, which is my hometown. Mm. Then you somehow make sure that that horse and the jockey riding it has a Confederate flag on the silks. And then somehow you say, oh, that's a coincidence. So anyway, that happened in like 2009. And the thing that was so shocking is when I told the story on my podcast, everyone in racing was like, wait a minute, what? That happened? I'm like, just go Google it. Everybody Googles it. And they're like, holy <laughs> shit, man. We didn't, we forgot. I'm like, yeah, I know you did. I know you did. Because we got a whole lot of stuff to work on. So in every single facet of uh, our lives, we have to start addressing this now. And the thing is so intriguing to me and I don't know if it's true with people like you, Jason, when people talk about receipts, like, and Damien, I don't know if you're the same. I judge all my friends that I've had that are white, Mexican, Latin, of any different, any different ethnicity. I judge the way they've interacted with me. And then I go back and I'm like, and there's people like Jason where I'm like, I never had a, a second, not a second with Jason where I felt like, eh, I don't trust this guy. Eh, I got to explain this to this guy. What is that like for you, Jason? Because I know I'm not the first black person to tell you that. Um, I I don't know how to explain as far as like what what is that that feeling of like uh, did you have to because all these white people that I know have to go back and have these moments of reckoning, and they're calling yeah. me and saying, "Hey, man, I didn't know what I did at that moment made I you feel you. this way, but now I see it." Like I've had I don't know how many conversations like that. I mean, I, I don't claim to know everything about everybody and every culture and all that, but I just, I feel like I'm aware and alert and have paid attention. And so I, I could, only thing I can think of is, and it is maybe a terrible analogy, but um, th there's plenty of um, college football coaches in the South that are white. And then they may have done something. They'll go, oh, I didn't know. Wait a minute. You're 50 plus. You're in the hotbed of where it's been racist, you know, country uh cities and counties you didn't know so yeah that's that i don't i don't think especially if you're 50 plus and, and you're in that hotbed and you're recruiting like you knew you knew what you were doing or 
or weren't paying attention or how did you not know? So I don't know. I mean, uh, um, I'll, I'll give you an example of something I, I literally did not know. And this would have scared me had I done something like this. Um, you remember the circle game that people used to play? Like you put the circle out if you put your finger, like you punch somebody or whatever. We used to do that in grades. The circle game? I don't know. I don't know how. There's all kinds of circle games. Just spin the bottle and all. Uh, you mean like a, I don't know what you were playing, Ken? But, uh, nothing. No. <laughs> um, but it, it almost looks like a, <laughs> okay. I don't know, but I guess, and I did not know this. Probably I saw um, a reporter that was doing that behind an African American. Uh, not a reporter. A reporter was African American. Someone was white was doing that behind him and i guess that's a um a white supremacy a, you're, you're talking about yeah yeah i literally did not know yeah. i didn't know that so that's one where you go well i would have never done that so i know i wouldn't have got caught up in that but i didn't what, what was that like, yeah i did not know that i don't so, think every i don't think anybody would ever and i get what you're saying like that gesture is so um covert underground people yeah people don't know what to think well, well well that but you know it is the like people have you like axel foley did it you know what i mean like you know, <laughs> beverly hills cop it's one of the famous you know it's a gift that you can search where he hits the okay thing like i i think people give off vibes like jason's you know there was always you know there was a joke can long after you left that jason was the blackest person on the show <laughs> i mean like like no one i mean <laughs> Jason knows the names. <laughs> Jason, Jason knows the names of all of the Pointer Sisters. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I met you and learned the inner work, workings of horse racing, I it just kind of confirmed like, yeah, I'm not. I'm good. This is not something I need to. This is not something I need to be involved in or or support. And knowing you, I never like I, I like I, like I know now like you you're you're involved in it and you're trying to help instigate change in it but i just looked at it like when i first met you and you started you know telling me about it it was like why would you let them have it like why would you be involved in this like this is horrible you know especially the the horse racing story or the the you know the the name the horse named after you story it's awful so i know that there are a lot of people who don't really care for horse racing and i get that and uh th there are a lot of things about it that they could uh, stand to chew to change and so hopefully we're starting to affect that right now um things are happening within the network that i work for tvg they were the first ones to reach out and support all my public statements and they were like yeah let's let's do something together so we're trying to work on initiatives but <clears throat> you know that's the thing that's so weird is it isn't about initiatives it's it's just about the daily interactions and so jason you're still at the radio station, you're management, and you guys are going through a lot of change now. Or are you? Like, what do you do to change the culture at, the, at, a, at a small place like that that has such a, a massive and profound effect on, on people? I, I think the couple ways that we are trying, I think on a daily basis, I mean, like I said, working with Doug now, Doug's been on the, on the forefront with a lot of things, certainly with the Kings and Damien brought it up earlier about even the Kings platform. I mean, they're on their um, every bit of social media, everywhere they have black lives matter and they've helped um, organize and co lead some of the protests that Sacramento has had. I think that's something that's very important to the organization so, you know, Doug being connected with that, me being connected with that. And then uh, I think you can do some of that by the guests you bring on and who else. And 
topics that we talk about. I think more and more we are talking about, um, I think Damian brought it up before, like stick to sports. Like that's, I don't even think that's a thing anymore. Now there'll still be people that text in and call in and say, Hey, if I wanted to hear that, I would listen to something else. But that all this intersects now. And I think it always has. I just think more people are aware of that and, and utilizing it. And, um, I think if you can find the angles, find the stories that are not just the scores and the, the breakdowns or, you know, the players, when they return, they're all, every single Kings player is going to have a different message on the back of their jersey. Why did they choose it? What's the story behind that? Um, why is that important to Harry Giles or Kent Bazemore, De'Aaron Fox or LeBron James for not doing it? I think finding those stories, relaying them, and then just growing and then seeing what um, – where the progress and change has been made and where it's not. So I, I think you, uh, that's something I'm tr trying for. Um, certainly haven't mastered, but you just, you just work at it. Yeah. That's the thing I think is truly a challenge in this moment right here that I kind of wanted to get into is, is Jason has always been cool. I know I've never felt anything with Jason. And by the way, for full disclosure, Jason, you are, your wife is black. Correct. This is yellow. We're the same. <laughs> Don't you the do same that. Skin tone. Don't we're you the do same that. Same skin tone. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into our LeBron James and <laughs> Steph <laughs> argument. No, no. We'll get to that later. Um, but you know that's the thing. So Jason, like I've always felt like you've had an understanding for it, and you just embrace everything. But you work for a place that does not have that reputation at all. And it's not just me. You guys know how aggressive I am, but it's not just me that's talking about that. So how do you change that culture of how that station is is received? Like, how do you change the last 30 years of that, that reputation? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't know, have the answer to that. I think it's, it's like, how do we, um, as a society, solve the greater issues in general, piece by piece, day by day, topic by topic, person by person? It's not... Um, I don't think it's incumbent on one person. I think it, this all has to be done together. And I think it's, um, it's been what, 400 plus years of uh, oppression against African-Americans. So I don't expect it to be solved or anybody uh, right away. And it hasn't been, but I think it's, it's chipping away and finding more people of, of all different types. I mean, not only race, but age, uh, class, sex to, to be doing, different positions of power. Um, I think that would be helpful across the board to hear different viewpoints, more women, more African-Americans, certainly. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think about our station now, I just wish we had more people. Um, but on the sports staff right now, we're basically down to about six people. And so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty slim, but one of our voices on our station is Doug Christie, so a former athlete, an African-American. Our producer is Jay Johnson. Uh, he's an African-American. I hope, though, and we utilize their voices some. I, it's, I'm sure it's not enough, but it's, it's there. It's something, and I think across the board, going to some of the sports uh, committees that I've gone to, it, it's addressed, it's talked about, but it was talked about a year ago. It was talked about this year. I don't know how much it's being addressed across the nation. I think people are bringing it up, but what, what is being done. So um, it's, it's a problem. It's an issue. I know Damien brought it up, I think, on a tweet, which was great, just in Sacramento radio in general. 
uh, the lack of African-American voices, men and women, just even in, in our market. And I think of Sacramento as a pretty diverse city, just yeah. in music, in news, in sports, it's, it's not really, uh, it's an issue here. Yeah, and Ken, if yeah. I could just, just I want to piggyback off of what Jason said and to, you know, to your original question pointing to, you know, diversity issues at KHK, it's not, it's not just 1140, like it's an industry problem. Uh, it, like the, the, you know, black journalist, like mainstream media has given you the impression that black journalist has fallen the way of the black athlete. Like instead of Michael Wilbon, it's freaking Kendrick Perkins or it's Jay, Jay Williams. And, you know, some of these guys are, are good at their jobs, but it's, you know, not all black journalists are former athletes. And it's a problem that's not just plaguing, there is a diversity problem, a huge one that is plaguing Sacramento, but there's a, there's a, there's a diversity problem that is plaguing sports media, period, and that it's become difficult to find a black journalist who is not a former athlete. And I refuse to believe that there are kids at, at, at Sac State that don't want to be involved in broadcast media. I refuse to believe that there are kids at various colleges or uh, HBCUs across the country that don't want to be involved in media like like they do. The, the next Mike Wilbon is out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just they're not getting hired because an athlete needs something to do after they get done playing. And they're getting all of, you know, these good jobs and black journalists are left to you know, do a podcast, build a cop, figure out some other way to get their work out there. And it's, it's proven to be really difficult. And that's an industry wide problem. And so like, I don't even know how to approach this with you, Jason, because like you're in a, in a position where like, what is it that you can do in your position? Can you hire well, in, in the immediate time, no, just because of, I mean, we're in such a unique historical time with, with COVID and, and I mean, our workforce, it's crazy right now at the station, we have roughly, I would say 90 people that work for the company. And on a daily basis at the station, we probably have six people there. So everybody's at home and, you know, we're in companies across the, the world or across the U.S. too, certainly are are losing a, a substantial amount of money. We were already a, a pretty thin staff. And so we're asking more, uh, people to do more even now. So in the short term, no. I mean, until there's some sort of bounce back, which who knows the heck when that's going to happen. But yeah, short term, no. Jason, what would it take for you, <clears throat> your allegiance to the radio station? Um, and believe it or not, a lot of people like that station because of your connection to that station and the basketball team. What how what would you have done if Vivek Ranadive and the Sacramento Kings did not embrace Black Lives Matter in the manner that they have? From the moment that the fans and protesters took over that arena and blocked people from getting into that game, they had two choices they could make. They made the right one from that moment on. But what would you have done had they gone the opposite direction yeah. like a lot of franchises have? Yeah. That's a really interesting one. I, I don't know unless I was really, I mean, I'm trying to think about being put in that spot because that would have been a put in the spot where that happened. They're not letting, um, they're not standing up for, for the cause for, for uh, the betterment of, of society really. So it's okay. We're here. There's a game going on in a post game. I think the easy out on that day specifically would have been okay. We're here like on the King's side of things. 
what happened in the game. Now we're thinking, okay, a talk show later where that's more opinion, that's more commentary, that's more um, of a free form, I say in one sense, to go deeper into topics. So that one would have been really tricky. I feel like it, it's not a fair parallel, but the only thing I can think of was when the Maloofs were trying to move the team to Seattle. And as a Kings employee talking during a Kings broadcast, we really just we omitted any kind of commentary. It's like, okay, the Kings are playing the Nuggets tonight. We talked about the game and here's what happened. Here's what's good, bad, and ugly. But the next day on a show, you're having to dive into the news that everybody cares about and that this team could be leaving and owners who at one point a lot of people liked are in a different financial position and are looking to benefit and move the team. So I had a completely different conversation then, disagreeing with what they were doing, not supporting it, um, wanting the team to stay, trying to find other avenues to help in keeping them staying. So I would have liked to believe I would have been doing it in that realm. Like if it's a game day and it's a thing, just really that's what we're there for is the game. But on the talk show, um, feeling comfortable and strong enough to be more supportive of Black Lives Matter, even if the Kings weren't, weren't behind it. Everyone says that the allies have the biggest responsibility now. Jason, you are what's considered an ally. Um, and as you move forward now, you got to go back into the workplace. And, and when you're there, like how, how do you process maybe some things that you have seen from coworkers, maybe even fellow management, where you're like, man, I don't think these people are cool. Or if, even if that's not your, uh, your particular opinion, how do you envision those interactions now after, after what we're going through? When you get yeah, I, don't, I, I, I wonder that, too, um, because I've, you know, seen social media, too, and seen some of the comments and seen people's opinions. Facebook, boy, everybody's got a real strong opinion there. I'm and so you, glad you're giving Jason that tough questions. Holy crap. <laughs> and I've never been one to block. I usually read and I'm like, I'm, I'm also not one to comment on generally. So it's like, OK, I saw it. Interesting. Now, I, and this is one thing my wife has taught me too, and probably you guys did too, maybe even indirectly, if, even if you didn't say it directly. But something she's told me is, let me know where you stand, as opposed to like, I, I need to, I would rather know your feelings um, and how your, your beliefs are, and then, then you hide them or me not know. So I'm kind of thinking that way too. Um, instead of even making a guess or a judgment, even digging down and, and, why do you feel that way? Okay, now I've got now I, now I know where you're going, and now I know what you believe and what you've uh, been believing in for years. So I think that's been a good thing for me to hear, and just from her perspective, not that anybody wants to feel like they've been judged on anything, but let me know. Let me know where you stand, and then that way I I will know how to deal with you. That that's kind of her phrasing and her point. So I thought that's interesting and. Um, maybe I'll start thinking of it that way as well. The thing that really is intriguing to me is that we're having this discussion about being in different areas um, of our professions. But the, the one thing that we all do have in common is the intersection of race in our, in our world at, that we work in and in our personal lives. Uh, Jason, you're white. You're married to a, a black woman. You have a biracial child. Damien, you are biracial. I am as black as night, and I'm married to a woman who's white, and we have a biracial child. Jason has a biracial man. I tried that Jackson, dude's got a Jackson, mustache Jackson, now. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson is a, a grown mustache ass man now. now. <laughs> okay. My goodness. But I mean, that's the yeah. thing that I often wonder about is like how, 
I'm having an easier time dealing with it because my wife is super, super sensitive to it. And she's an ally times 100. So it's easy for me to have these conversations at night where I'm just like, baby, I hate these motherfuckers, whatever my emotion may be. Um, how are you dealing with that, Damien, with your, your, your parents? Like, is that, is it brought anything a different, a greater understanding or? Nah, nah. I mean, I've, I mean, my, I, my circle is extremely small. Like it's just me, my mom, my sister, my grandparents were racist. I, I've, I've told Jason this many times. I've told you this before. My grandparents were, were racist. My, which, which, which is why I have such an affinity for Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson was the only black guy my grandpa loved. I don't know why, <laughs> but he loved Mike Tyson. Like every fight we watched together, you know, through throughout the 80s, all the way up until, uh, you know, that fateful night in, in Tokyo, we watched, you know, every Tyson fight that I can imagine together. And I don't know why, but, but you know, outside of that, like my, I'm confident my mom, you know, her, her sister and, and her, you know, her family, her brothers, yeah, you know, I've never been close to them, it, not by accident. Like I've just, I've never been close to them. So no, it, it you know, my, my, my circle is small, so it, it hasn't brought up any, you know, feelings of, and I don't, I used to get so frustrated with Facebook stuff and I just, I don't do that anymore, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Like I just, that stuff doesn't phase me anymore. Like I, I move along and, uh, I'm 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 good, man. I'm at peace. I know who I am. I know who the people that you know I love are. I know who you guys are. That stuff just does not. I just don't let that stuff get to me. Jason, how do you deal with your son is getting older, and his racial background, and how you explain that to him and others? Is how have you approached that, or how are you going to approach that? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, Jackson's in a more unique there. He is with his uh, disabilities. He, he's he's not going to be on the comprehension side. And that to me, honestly, I've used, I told this story on the air of a, um, how much of racism to me is, is almost probably a hundred percent learned. And I, when people say this phrase and we've all heard it, I don't see color. I literally do not know if Jackson knows the difference. Right. So that is a perfect example of, and you joked, you're as dark as night. Well, Jackson would leave this house right now and go with you. No issue. He'd go with Damien. He'd go with me. That's a great thing. It's also a scary thing because he would go with anybody, any stranger, yeah. man, woman, kid, um, clown, anything. Like he would go with anybody. But it's an example of he doesn't know the difference. Or if he does, he does not show it. So um, it's 100% learned. And I just, he's a great, it's so much it's so funny how much I learned from someone who's nonverbal, um, probably limited cognitively, but Jackson lives just a happy life. So he is happy with whoever he comes in contact with. And that could be the richest person in the world, the poorest person in the world, the oldest, the youngest, whatever he, it's amazing. And I, I like, I, I wish all of us, looked at the world through Jackson's eyes, but we don't. Um, and so I try to learn and see where where those trouble spots are. Where, where is it coming from? Who else is not seeing um, this correctly? So Jackson's honestly a pretty, pretty good reminder for someone who you may not think would be a good reminder, but he really is. But yeah. what he also brings to mind is being vulnerable and that racism is not necessarily about how you are perceive yourself, but how others perceive you. 
and how they accept you. And so I don't know, this is valid, if as he gets older, will his skin get darker and will he start to show more of those biracial signs? And yeah. then you're in a situation where you have a young man who is dependent upon others and, and he will be for the rest of his life. And so that's the thing that frightens me. Does that, has that ever, because you know, parents, we think about every scenario yeah. Every possible scenario our child can go through. I know every parent has gone through that six million times. H has that, you know, down the line, have you thought about that, how that may affect him, if it will? Yeah, I don't know if it'll affect him, but you're right, Ken. It's probably maybe it would affect my wife or myself more, just the the perception of that. You know, we'll, in this time, we don't really do much, ever leave the house. But if we do, we go for a walk in the neighborhood. And, you know, we inevitably you'll come across somebody that maybe takes an extra long look at him or us. And I'm thinking, you know, the thought then goes through your head is that, Hey, that's a mixed couple or right. it, Jackson can walk, but a lot of times we have him in a, in his strollers. So yes. Like, wait, he's got a full beard and mustache. Why is he in that mm -hmm. little stroller? Thing? Right. So I don't know what they're thinking, but those thoughts go through my head. Are they, are they judging him? Are they judging me? Are they yeah. judging my wife? Are they judging all of us? Yeah. I don't know, but it comes across my mind. Then I just, get back under the happy tree and roll <laughs> and then go on the next block. So I don't know. How do I get that tree to blossom and all over the bloom all over the world? Where's that happy tree? I need a happy tree. Jeez. But I'm there. I'm there. I mean, I have yeah. one, but it's dry. And then it's, um, you crunch it up and, and then, it's dry and it's bitter. And then, no. And then you, <laughs> you take the leaves and you crunch them up and then you put them inside this thing and then you add fire to that happy tree. Um, and then that becomes, a very happy tree. Um. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Malcolm puts you into the happy oh, tree. Oh, I get what your happy tree is now. Right. It took a minute. I got it. I got it. Sorry. Right. I got it. I got it. Um, you know, yeah, my son is pretty awesome. Malcolm is pretty fantastic. But he's nine and a half, and he's already aware. Yeah. He lives with probably one of the blackest people on the planet as far as the way I talk and act. And so he's completely aware that he is black. And at the age of nine and a half, he does all the things that, you know, he wants to do. But I feel like he knows that he is, but I don't think that he is 100% claiming that. Does that make sense? He doesn't want to have to choose, and I don't think he should. But he yeah. probably will have to at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I told you. Like, we've talked about this before. He's going to deal with stuff that you never had to deal with. Yeah. You know, as a biracial, he's going to deal with stuff that Heather never had to deal with. Like, he's – you have a whole different set of issues when you're biracial they're they're you know not 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 one's better not one's worse. they're just very different um and, and that's that's tough it's, it's even tough. weird in the way that i see him like he loves beaches he loves to go in the water he's amazing on the boogie board he could stay in the beach all day i don't want to do that um and but at the same time he can't dance to save his life so as I'm watching him, I'm like, oh my goodness, what is what is happening? But then he, but he always wants to be around me and watch my black shows, and he loves everything that I that we do. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just trying to give him a well-rounded. You just up. gotta let him figure it out on his own. Yeah, that's all he's, he's he's just gotta figure it out on his own. That's that's well, it. And I just want to take the best everything. qualities of, yeah. of both of you. Yeah. Hopefully it'll work out, guys. Um, we have so much we could talk about, and I think we'll, I'm gonna try and do check-ins with you. Uh, every once in a while, because the year I spent with you guys is the best time I ever had in anything, and I've done a lot of stuff, and that was so much fun. And I want to thank you guys for accepting me and, and making it okay for me to be crazy every day. 
And mm-hmm. I think we made some things happen on the radio there that uh, I think was there an option did did we like check the wrong box was there a non-crazy Ken option that we could have checked <laughs> I, think, I think by check-ins you mean you're sending us eggplant emojis yeah right <laughs> yes hey with, with with a microwave and a bag next to it <laughs> <laughs> you guys let me be aggressive every day and it would really it was awesome time I appreciate that um I'll be checking in of course Damien good luck with your 18 different shows and, Thank you, uh, brother. Jason, good luck uh, as you uh, move forward as the voice of the Sacramento Kings basketball on the radio. Uh, you've been training for this for so long. It's not even that big of a deal, but it is great. So congratulations. Go do your thing, brother. Thank you. Guys, have a great time. Uh, say hello to your, your families. And, um, hey, let's go out here and let's go and, and uh, let's make these white folks better tomorrow. Let's do that. Let's do that. That's, that's, a, that's a good tagline. Let's make white people better. <laughs> Let's, or let's make let's make let's make all white people like Jason. If all what? white people like Jason, there's so much room under the happy tree. There really is. Oh, there's always room under the happy tree with Jason. Of course, gotta really really thank my friends Jason Ross of KHTK Sports 1140 in Sacramento. He is the voice of the Sacramento Kings radio play-by-play, and Damian Barling, who's the king of radio and podcast in Sacramento. And he continues to move things forward with his Be Heard platform. They are really, really uh, my brothers from another mother, as it were. Thank them for hanging out. Thank you for hanging out. And we'll do this again next week. We continue our progressive conversation here on Believe in Horse Racing. Until then, I'm Ken Rudolph. We'll see you next time. Let's get this money together. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.